those fingers in my hair That sly come hither stare That strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft And I've got no defense for it The heat is too intense for it What good would common sense for it do? What's up, wizards and witches? Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. You didn't like that the last episode when I called out the squibs. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not cool. I called out the wizards and witches in this episode. Is that acceptable? That is acceptable. I'm Dan it's much Rhino. Better. Dan Rhino representing Hufflepuff House. Is going to play a big role in this chapter. Um, Jessica Rhino, representing the best house, Ravenclaw. Who is uh, noticeably absent from this chapter. I'm sure they were... Yeah, we're busy. Hanging out in the library. Although the Hufflepuffs were actually in the library. Not really reading, though. They're just kind no. of worrying more than anything else. Gossiping is more like it. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. <laughs> uh, we are on to chapter 11 of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. We last uh, wrapped up Chapter 10, and uh, let's kind of catch the people up on where we're at, uh, what uh, the big events at the end of Chapter 10. Uh, Harry has no bones in one of his arms, thanks to Lockhart. the uh, the wonder the wondering wondrous wizarding of Gilderoy Lockhart, Professor Gilderoy Lockhart, Professor of the Dark Arts, and uh, best-selling author, apparently. And Witches Weekly, Best Smile. That's true. That's like the MTV Movie Award for Best Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't get the Oscar, but get that MTV Movie Award. So Harry's got no bones in his arm. He's uh, using getting some of that skeleton going on. I'm sure it was a long night for Harry, long, painful night. He seemed to kind of just sleep through it, though, when... You know, she kind of talked it up like he was in for a rough night. And then the beginning of this chapter, it's just like, yeah, he woke up. And let's not forget the fact that Mr. Colin Creevy is in a petrified state right now. Just a couple beds over in the hospital wing of Hogwarts. Yeah, poor Colin. And despite the attempts to kind of keep the Colin situation under wraps, of course the whole school knows about it. Oh, yes. Just immediately. Just the way it is at Hogwarts. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, telephone, telegram, tell a wizard. Yeah. Word will get past, uh, word will get around really fast. And Harry gets released from the hospital wing early in Chapter 11. Chapter 11, by the way, is titled The Dueling Club, which we're going to get to in just a second. Harry's released from the hospital wing, and he finds Ron and Hermione in the early stages of brewing that polyjuice potion. And, of course, if you're going to brew up a potion, the best place to do it in the the girls' bathroom. Like, on the toilet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that where you do your brewing? Um, I do something else in there. I don't know if I'd call it brewing. I'll yeah. just leave leave it at that. Yeah, since this yeah is let's a, do that. This is a very PG show. Um, we, we don't want to earn that explicit content, the dreaded explicit mark on iTunes, where you can always download the latest episodes of Broomsticks and Butterbeer on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, wherever you get your, uh, whatever podcast platform you uh, use. Alrighty then. Yeah, I just got that was get, a lot of info. Got to get that plug in there. So of course we're in the bathroom brewing Wouldn't up some potions. Would they already know that if they were listening to the podcast? Not necessarily. Where they get it from then? Um, they could have potentially gotten it from the archives. All right. Proceed. In the uh, restricted section. Only if they had a note from a professor. Well, I'm sure they could get one quite easily. We proved that in the last chapters. If you just uh, talk about Mr. Lockhart's uh, accomplishments accomplishments and his uh, literary catalog, then he'll pretty much give you whatever you want. This is true. So Harry informs his friends of the fact that Dobby had visited him again at the end of Chapter 10. And Dobby was actually the one responsible for the rogue bludger. And that leads Ron to give the line of the chapter, in my opinion. And he says, (laughs) you know what, Harry? If he doesn't stop trying to save your life, he's going to kill you. Yeah. 
I thought that was a very well uh, written and very well said line. That pretty much sums Dobby up. Mm-hmm. By the way, we saw some wonderful, uh, we might have some new listeners listening for the first time since we attended the Harry Potter night at the St. Louis Science Center. Well, hopefully they started with chapter one of the first book. Maybe. So now they're just not catching up, but just so you guys know, this was the podcast we did after you joined. And we saw some wonderful Dobby cosplays. And Luna. That were really cool. Oh, that Luna was great. There was another Luna that was pretty good too, but that Luna was the best. And we haven't even got to that... uh, Nope, you have no idea. To that version of Luna yet. Other than there's a pop. Uh, There's a figurine of that Luna Mm -hmm. from the the movies, I guess, that we have in our living room here. You'll get there. We'll get there eventually. There was a couple costumes, by the way, I... I had to ask you, I said, are we not there yet? We, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get what I'm looking at here. There was a, a dragon. Yeah, no, that one was just, <laughs> that was purely a imagination. Up? Okay. I, I don't know where that Come came from. With me. And it wasn't a dragon, it was, it was something else. If you had Willy Wonka on your cosplay bingo card, you can go ahead and mark that off. Cosplay? Pop or culture? A uh, pop culture bingo card. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Uh, we need to get like those available on a website or something. People can download them, kind of make the mm-hmm. podcast more interactive. But you'd have to have a way to randomize it. We'll have an intern get on that. Maybe Kelly can get on Otherwise, that. Otherwise, everybody would have the same card. But you think Jennifer can get on that, maybe? She's too busy traversing the, the planet. I know. She's, she's all over the place. She has a new job. She texts me. She's like, hey, sorry, my new job today. I'll tell you about it later. I'm like, you didn't even tell me it was happening. Mm-hmm. Was she, she like never a bounty tells me hunter anything. or something? Is that why she's I always traveling around? don't know. She still hasn't told me. Interesting. All right, she was well, busy. She was at the baseball game that night. Well, if Jennifer feels like sharing what her, uh, what her new form of employment is, we'd love to hear it. Uh, she can send that to broomsticks.butterbeer <laughs> at gmail.com. You can always send your questions and thoughts on the podcast. And uh, we'll give you a little shout-out. We're going to give a little shout-out at the end to a nice uh, family who sent us a wonderful email. Oh, we have an email? Well, it was the, the same one I had you read last week. Oh, oh, right. Sorry. I thought that we did that last time. Nope. We okay. Sh- we sure didn't. Uh, so what's the reaction of the students now that the word is getting around about they all are familiar with Mrs. what happened to Mrs. Norris Filch's cat now the information about the the chamber is kind of getting around and some some of it is based in what they perceive as fact some of it is kind of the story growing and rumor and innuendo and then what's happening to Colin now? So what's the reaction of the students in the school now that word is kind of getting around about all these different uh, situations going on? Well, they're kind of freaking out, I think. I know they specifically talk about the first years, walking together in groups, mm-hmm. safety in numbers, where's your buddy? Yep. Um, poor Jenny. Jenny's having a rough year. What's her first year? I. She's still <laughs> having a rough year. Well, it's, it doesn't help the fact that she's got the twins. Dressing up in fur and boils. <laughs> yeah. And jumping out at her every, yeah, every dark corridor. Yeah, taking advantage of the fact that she's already scared. Yeah. So that's the uh, the bad side of Fred and George. We, talked, we uh, sang the praises of Fred and George <laughs> on our last episode. But they still got that mischievous side that uh, sometimes come out comes out to the detriment of others in their area. Wow. Probably particularly a younger sister who's easy to frighten. So you talked about the first years are kind of freaked out about everything that's going on. How's the rest of the school kind of handling the the news and the situation? I'm just like, what's your perception of that? Like, I thought they were, I mean, they were all pretty scared about it and mm-hmm. trying to take precautions. I'm just kind of thinking of like maybe the, the fifth year students for them, having experienced Hogwarts for this long, is this just kind of like par for the course? You know, that weird stuff's going to happen, scary stuff's going to happen, creepy stuff's... I mean, we got ghosts, you know, flying around, and some even teaching classes. So it, it's not 
that this is an ordinary place, but is this just taking it, what's happened in the last couple of years, just taking it to a whole new level? Well, last year, we know there were some issues, but we don't know about the years before that. Mm -hmm. So like a fifth year, might just be like, gosh, ever since Harry Potter came to school, things have really gone downhill. This place was great until we (laughs) let certain people in. I don't know. I mean, he... At the very beginning, you know, Dumbledore does give that speech about, you know, unless you want to die a horrible death, don't go to the third floor, blah, blah, blah. And nobody seems to really like, yeah, you know, yeah, worry yeah, about bring that. the pies out. Yeah, they're just like, all right, whatever. So it is, it kind of leads us to believe that it's just another year in Hogwarts, mm-hmm. that things like this do happen, that you could get detention and go in the forest and die. We don't know that for sure. And I don't know that... It said specifically what the older kids were thinking. The younger ones were definitely freaked out. There was kind of a passing bit of information in this chapter that I I wanted to just touch on briefly. The fact that Harry, Ron, and Hermione all are staying at Hogwarts over the Christmas holiday. Yeah. Which I thought to be a little strange. Not in Harry's case. He wants to take every opportunity he can to be away from the Dursleys. Yes. And if he can get... Well, I don't think they even want him to come home. And if he can get like, promise you know, you don't. several weeks of time away from them and at Hogwarts, that's great. We know that Ron stayed last year because I think the parents were going off to visit uh, one of the older brothers mm-hmm. for the Christmas holiday. But it's kind of weird that he's staying two years in a row, I thought. No, well, I think that they do tend to go visit the older brothers during the holiday. Okay. I think that's a pattern. Well, what about the fact that Hermione is staying home or staying at Hogwarts for Christmas and not heading home? That is strange. Okay. And especially since, you know, she has muggle parents who probably have to do like a traditional Christmas and and just the idea of, I know it's her second year, but, you know, they kind of just gave their daughter to these witches and wizards in this world that they have nothing about. Yeah. They don't know anything about this world, but hey, just take her, and we'll see you later. Now that she's going to spend a whole year there and not see her family. Do you think that was Hermione, and I don't know if it's something that we find out later, do you think that is Hermione's wish to do that in order to kind of follow through with this polyjuice potion plan? Yeah. Or do you think it was some, do you think she had kind of talked her parents into that? Her, I, it just seems very odd for me because she was gone last year. Yeah, no, I think she's committed to this plan. She wants to see it through. I mean, I could see the other way around, too. You know, she's worried for her safety, being muggle-born, mm. wanting to leave. But that's the Gryffindor in her. She wants to stay and and try and solve this mystery. And Another person we found out is going to be staying over the Christmas holidays is Draco Malfoy. That is strange. And the trio immediately began to think that, oh, he's got to have a reason why he's staying. Mm -hmm. It has to have something to do with the Chamber of Secrets. It has to have something to do with what's been going on to uh, Mrs. Norris and to Colin and just with all of the weird things that are going on around Hogwarts. Did that strike you as something that was out of the ordinary for Draco to to be staying at Hogwarts or do you think he's such a little snot that maybe his parents don't want him to come home for the holidays? I feel more like he's like the rich spoiled boy but like his parents don't have time for him kind of thing so maybe they're just too busy to deal with him Mm -hmm. coming home. They're probably doing something over the holiday. Mm -hmm. That's just how I view him. He's He's, the, he's you know one of those ones where on the outside it looks like he has it all, mm-hmm. but his parents aren't really around much. Mm-hmm. I know we learn about his parents more later on, this book and next several books, but that's just the way I kind of viewed him was he's rich and he's spoiled, but mommy and daddy are usually busy mm-hmm. and don't so, have all the time for him. There's a Beatles song called She's Leaving Home that I really like, and it's about a a girl who runs, sneaks off in the middle of the night to go get married or to go meet up with this guy and she ends up getting married and her parents are thinking like, 
how could she do this to the to us we gave her everything that money could buy you know we gave her you know everything that a kid could possibly want but the one thing that they didn't give her was love and that's kind of the the point of that story is that you know she finally found love you know somewhere and that's why she you know left behind all the material you know goodness but uh you know just kind of popped into my head when you were talking about you know there's a uh, uh, line in the song that says something inside that was always denied for so many years and that's you know draco's got the best of everything but doesn't necessarily strike me as having parents that are uh, the most attentive loving. yeah kind of kind of you know the yin and yang to the weasley situation we don't have a lot of money but we've got all the love that you could you could ever want or need and i'm gonna say the good kind of love mm-hmm. the right kind of love like we learn about his mom later and she's she clearly cares for him a lot mm-hmm. but you're talking about draco draco's mom yeah, yeah. um but She's also, I don't know, it's just not the same. It's not mm-hmm. a healthy sort of mm-hmm. relationship still. Sure. Even though she really cares for him, just she still would put him into positions where, you know, Mrs. Weasley definitely would not. Mm-hmm. It's not the same kind of love. Yeah, that's a good, that's, you know, that's a, that's a good way of saying that. It's a good uh, to bring that up, kind of bring attention to that for, you know, kind of some uh, foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. later on uh, down the line so the critical uh, ingredients in the polyjuice potion brewing process we're getting to the point where the stuff that we really need is only available in Snape's private stash so we're going to have to sneak in there and get it and Hermione is actually the one who's stepping up and going to do the actual stealing here yes I was kind of confused by this though because she says she volunteers to do the stealing, which, you know, is a shock for everyone, even though she has been breaking more and more rules. But she said that she had a clean record. And I was like, but you don't, really. <laughs> you got detention. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was just kind of confused by that. I was like, you don't have a clean record. Maybe she means clean of major incidents. <laughs> she snuck out and went up to the top of the tower astronomy tower i mean to smuggle out a dragon they don't believe that part of it but mm. i mean she still ended up with detention which sure is a significant I mean, I, punishment because i mean to us it would be because we were both pretty good kids but like if i think i got a detention once in elementary school for like talking too much because I didn't have a lot of friends. So when I did have some friends, I wanted to talk to them. Because you're Hufflepuff. <laughs> did you look at your principal and say, "Well, I'm Hufflepuff"? <laughs> no, this was uh, <laughs> before Harry Potter had been invented. Before HP. <laughs> yeah, BHP. <laughs> but to me, a detention was a. I mean, that was a big thing. I mean, I was ashamed to tell my mom of, of what had happened. Ashamed of a. You know, 30-minute detention after school. But think about, you know, you've worked in education for a few years at this point. Mm-hmm. How many, you know, young people have you dealt with that wouldn't bat an eye at even a suspension? Oh, no. Half of them want to get suspended. I mean, a detention, if you think about it, is for a lot of kids just like a, a drop in the bucket. And maybe that's just kind of part of the thing at Hogwarts is that... Yeah, you're probably going to get a couple detentions. You're probably going to... You're you're wizards, for crying out loud. You're probably going <laughs> to... You're going to mess up somehow. Yeah, find yourselves in some, some trouble every once in a while. So I, I guess as long as you're not getting expelled or, or anything like that, you're probably pretty good. That's probably is equivalent to having a clean record, all things considered. So Hermione's going to go through the actual stealing where I'll, Harry and Ron are going to be responsible for causing the distraction in potions class and it's going to be more so hairy than than ron right yeah and somehow i don't see how this is really any better Mm -hmm. stealing supplies from snape's office or setting off a firework in this potions classroom either way 
maybe he the, was going to be in huge trouble. Maybe the the setting off the firework when Snape's back is turned is a less likelihood of getting caught. Maybe yeah, maybe than, it's less dangerous. Having been caught red-handed. Risk. Exactly. So we're in potions class, and we're brewing something called the swelling. A swelling solution? Yes. I believe. Of course. Uh, of normally, course. Normally you would want something to take the swelling out of something. Not always. But sometimes you would want things to swell up, apparently. And as you alluded to earlier, what is Harry's big distraction? Ah, the firework. Uh, no doubt that he got from a Weasley? I'm sure. Of course <laughs> he got it from a Weasley. Where else is Harry going to get a know. wizarding firework I, Whenever I think of fireworks, I just think of Weasleys. Fred and George. Um, yeah, so he set off one of these fireworks, which, you know, very cleverly done. You have to tap it with your wand. There's no f- striking matches mm-hmm. in this world. You, you flick it with your wand, toss it, and he tosses it right into Goyle's mm-hmm. cauldron, and everything explodes. <laughs> And of course, Goyle was brewing up some of that uh, swelling solution. And the swelling solution kind of gets on everybody. And everybody has various appendages (laughs) that are... Features. (laughs) That are uh, swollen. I think Draco's got an enormous nose. Yeah, that was was all good fun. I was a little concerned about the eyes, though. Somebody's eyes were bulging out. Yeah, what if they popped out? I was very concerned about the eyes. Yeah. Well, I like mean, you, you can only like you've, swell like your you've eyes said before, so though. Much. Like you've said before, yeah. wizards are a little hardier stock than than uh, muggles in this world. So this is true. I guess they can handle it. I think somebody has like an enormous like a gorilla arm, like <laughs> hanging down, uh, like a Hulk, big Hulk Hogan arm, <laughs> maybe hanging down, and everybody is basically uh, lining up for uh, at. Snape's desk with their swollen body parts to get the antidote, and Hermione swipes the ingredients that they need uh, while that's going on. Yeah, which apparently was a lot of stuff, because it said the front of her robes were bulging. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe she could have just said, "Oh, I got some of that swelling solution on yeah, my head." Yeah, oh, I got it. Don't ah, worry I don't about need, it. I'll yeah, be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Yeah, so they got what they needed, and but it's still going to take two weeks to brew this potion up. It's a slow cooker. Slow. They got they got it in the uh, the wizarding crockpot. You gotta take take your time with this one, so to speak. So let's get to the namesake of this chapter, the Dueling Club. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this chapter. It's so much. I have so many notes. <laughs> it is the chapter that would not end. Yeah, it was a little longer than the normal chapters we've been reading lately. It's like somebody uh, splashed some swelling solution on this chapter. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> You're so funny. I wish I could have taken the antidote and got about a page and a half through some copious notes here. Uh, and how many notes do you have? Oh, I didn't bother. Didn't just all. didn't do it. I just listened to this. Good effort. At school, because you know the person I share my office with is listening to the Harry Potter shout books out. now. Can give a shout out. Terry. Yeah, she subscribed. I don't think she started listening yet, but she has subscribed. Chalk another one up. Chalk another one up. We're taking over the world. Yep. Uh, so she's listening to she. The first like the first week of school when we were doing all those projects and stuff, we listened to the first book, and then I just recently li- listened to the second book with her. Now she's onto the third book. She's addicted. She can't stop. It really makes you realize how short that first book was. Yeah. And the fact that, I mean, it seems like so long ago that we recorded those episodes. <laughs> this book is not that much longer. It's not. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do when we get to, like, <laughs> Deathly Hollows. I don't know what you're going to do. Uh, uh, what's the other one? Like, Prisoner of Azkaban's big, right? That's a big one? Well, no, that's uh, where we start getting bigger. Okay. What, which one am I think, thinking of? Is uh, pretty much all of the other Goblet's ones. not... Half-Blood Terribly Prince. big. That's one. I think that's one thing. Of Half-Blood Order Prince. Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, I was. I, I was just saying that because I was putting the books back on the shelf in my library the other day. And you were <laughs> and getting a workout. Uh, yeah, and some of them were uh, were thicker than others. <gasps> some of getting them were, got a little too close to the swelling solution. Yeah. 
it, it really kind of makes you think that some of these other books that we've got coming up, and I know we're, we're kind of skipping it ahead here, but the final book, Deathly Hollows, was broken up into two movies. Mm-hmm. Really, a lot of some of these other books could have been too. Yeah, and I think people probably would have been happier with them if they had, because mm-hmm. then they could have included more of the stuff. But I think when when the the middle movies were getting made, they knew that they had something big on their hands, but I don't think they realized how big mm-hmm. it was. And I I hate to take it to the extreme of like The Hobbit, which they knew they had something big on their hands after Lord of the Rings. And they said, well, we're going to take this book that's smaller than all the rest of those books that got their own movie and break it up into three movies. And that was just way too, that was overkill. That was, a, that was obviously just a money grab. Whereas I, I think Deathly Hollows being broken up into two movies is more out of necessity yeah. than it is out of out of a, a money grab. It, it could kind of, you know, they obviously made more money by making an extra movie. But I also think it was more enjoyable, too. Yeah, yeah. you got it. It's a, it's a big book. And even to just do it justice, mm-hmm. you have to. Now, in contrast, like The Hunger Games, though, those are say that. all yeah. fairly thin books. Mm-hmm. But they split Mockingjay up. Money grab. But I was okay with it because the first half of Mockingjay and the second half of Mockingjay are like two different mo- two yeah. different parts. It's clearly two different things. She's in the arena doing another game and then we're going to war i mean it's a whole different thing so i was okay with that one but pretty much all of the other movies where they did that it just was a waste i'm not i'm not that keen on the mockingjay thing maybe it's just because that was my least favorite book of the three so maybe that was why that was my least favorite movie of the three like i thought the first one was really well done i thought the second one was Fantastic! Yeah, the movie. I like the second one the best. And and maybe it's just the maybe it's just the source material, you know, kind of like you talk about always talk about the divergent books, <laughs> and the third one's just un, unreadable. They never even made. They never even finished it. Yeah, the movies. They just they just quit. They said, "Why? Why even try? Uh, we're done. Why even try? All right. Well, let's get back into uh, some Harry Potter talk. We kind of went down the uh, the movie rabbit hole there, but that's okay. That's okay. We're kind of give you a little bit of everything here. So, uh, like I said, the Dueling Club. Uh, and it's kind of just like a little post on the bulletin board. Kind of like, hey, you want to sign up for Drama Club? You know, we're having auditions. We're doing Fiddler on the Roof this uh, this fall. So, Dueling Club's kind of just kind of like Dra- Drama Club, uh, but with less musical numbers and uh, more likelihood of uh, magical mishaps. That you're gonna say dying. I was like, oh no. Yeah, I was gonna say Not that, again. but uh, <laughs> I that's why I switched it out for something uh, tamer. But this doesn't seem like something that happens regularly at Hogwarts. Like mm-hmm. drama club is something that happens every year at certain schools, only you know, privileged schools. But um, <laughs> but uh, I didn't know, I didn't realize Jess was gonna go on a. a uh, a political rant about the state of well, public education. I didn't have a drama club. Well, we did. Let a, me in tell high you about school. charter schools. Anyway, you're I, a you're a uh, private school girl. Yes. And I am a product of the uh, public and schools. We had a drama club, but I don't think I even knew until like they were like, "Hey, we're putting on a a play," and I was like. Who? <laughs> who are? Who's we? <laughs> who? Who? And where? And why? You just, just grab two people and say, "Hey, let's put on a play." Mm-hmm. They're like, "Yeah, the drama club." And I'm like, "Huh." Okay. What play? What play I did they put on? I w- I don't know. I wasn't Sweeney that invested Todd? in my high school. Wizard of Oz? No. Diary of Anne Frank? No idea. Nothing. No idea. Okay. <laughs> I think there. I, I'm like vaguely remembering pictures of it in the yearbook. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. That there were some pictures of people in like costumes. I kind of wish I would have uh, gotten into drama club like in high school. I kind of think I would have been good at it. Did you have a drama club? I think we did at my second high school. Ah, uh, that makes sense. I think we did. Honestly, I don't remember, and I don't remember any of the <laughs> things they did. Uh-huh. But like looking back, I I kind of think that hey, that might have been something that 
you know, it would have been fun and I would have been good. You could have been on board with that. I, I'm a sucker for big musical numbers. You are. And um, I would love to be in a musical someday. <laughs> That's like a bucket list thing. So. But anyway, my point is, this isn't a regular thing at Hogwarts. Uh, we didn't hear anything about it last year. Mm-mm. And it just it kind of sounds like there used to be a dueling club. Mm-hmm. Or there, dueling is a thing. It's like a little sport or activity because... Flitwick has a, an award in it. It seems like something that a few or one of the professors currently at Hogwarts concocted. Well, it's going to be 8 o'clock that night in the Great Hall. Apparently all the dining tables are getting cleared out and we're clearing out some space to do our little dueling club. And of course the dueling club is led by the greatest wizard of them all. The one that needs more attention. Mr. Gilderoy Lockhart. And I wrote yuck in my <laughs> notes yeah because i'm just kind of thinking that's what harry's thinking when uh, when this is uh when he finds out that who's running the uh the dueling club and snape agrees to assist lockhart in his first lesson so i wanted to ask you what is snape's motivation for wanting to help out i say that in air quotes help out lockhart with his first dueling club lesson. Is it, Snape wants oh, to- multiple choice? <laughs> multiple guess. Is it, Snape wants to show up Lockhart because we know that none of the other professors really are too keen on Lockhart, especially the fact that Lockhart kind of tries to take what their specialty is and act like he's even better than them at it. I think he, there was even a mention about Lockhart could whip up some kind of potion, and Snape kind of sneered at that a couple chapters ago. So is it wanting to show up Lockhart, or is it an opportunity to take Harry Potter down a peg? Or option C, none of the above. Or option uh, D, gonna, all, all of the above. I'm going to write in one. Option E, a write-in. I'm going to write in. Um, I think that he was told to do it probably by Dumbledore, and uh, he's babysitting. Oh, okay. He's like, all right, well, I told, here's the deal. I told Lockhart he could do this dueling club mm-hmm. just to shut him up, And he, but he's probably going to cause a lot of problems. So I need you to go and make sure none of the students get hurt. So that makes me think that, in your opinion, Dumbledore is even aware of the lack of uh, talent or uh, ineptness of of Lockhart. And if he's aware of that, why did he select him to be his Defense Against the Dark Arts professor? Is it simply because they truly could not find anybody else to do it? I think they couldn't find anybody else to do it. First of all, Dumbledore... Dumbledore knows everything that goes on in Hogwarts. So, of course he knows. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think they were having a hard time finding somebody to do it. And I'm sure there was some sort of pressure somewhere from like, oh, this will look good to the public Mm -hmm. to have this... Hogwarts uh, PR department? Yeah. We'll have this figure that everybody adores, Mm -hmm. you know, after the whole... He who must not be named Baco last year. You don't even have to pay this guy. He's going to do it out of the kindness of his own heart. Because he's already rich and he's just doing it to help out uh, the wizarding community. I think uh, Lockhart even kind of alludes to that at the beginning. He felt like, I'm gonna, I'm giving back. To, I'm, this is my charitable work. I'm helping out the young professors by imparting my wisdom. Well, he also thinks he's getting like another generation of fans. Sure. You gotta expose the younger generation to his literary work. And think about how many books he sold just by agreeing to be the professor. Just by requiring it as as reading material. I would do that too. If I was professor, I'd require everything. You would go out and write books just to sell them to the students. students. Absolutely, (laughs) it would just be covers and empty pages. Mr. Rhino, there's there's nothing in this book. Why did we have to buy it? Or is there? Maybe the pages will become, with writing on them, as part of your magical mystery tour. (laughs) 
It's another Beatles reference. <laughs> if you had the Beatles on your pop culture, you can mark that off they twice. They already did. Yeah, well, if you miss it the first time, you can mark it off again. So you think you don't think it's any of those things I said. Um, you got your, your write-in vote, and I like it. So Snape does show up Gilderoy Lockhart on the first attempt, knocking Gilderoy on his bottom. Another example of Gilderoy not being the wizard that he claims to be, because we have a little practice duel between Lockhart and Snape, and Snape uh, does the uh, Expelliarmus. Yes. And pretty much uh, I get the vision in my head of Lockhart hitting the wall like Scooby-Doo style and then like sliding down <laughs> slowly. Yeah, but later on, and particularly in the movies, because we get an actual picture of it, it's not that dramatic of a spell. Mm-hmm. It's just your wand just yeah, jumps no, it's out just of like your hand. Yeah, it's like a disarming spell. Yeah. yeah. It's really just knocking the wand out of your hand. I don't know. And for a while, it's like the only spell that Harry does. Yeah. <laughs> like, like seven movies. Expelliarmus! <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's, you know, doing, you know, conjuring up, you know, dragons and <laughs> all, all manner of uh, mythical beasts. And he, he's just trying to knock, hey, the, knock the wand out of your hand. You stick to what you're good at. Yeah. I think... Uh, I, somebody made mention of that on uh, Facebook about how Harry only does this, that one spell, and they had a Bruce Lee. Somebody put a Bruce Lee quote. He says, "I don't fear the man that practices ten thousand kicks once. I fear the man that practices one kick ten thousand times because <laughs> he's really good at it. Yeah, and he's gonna knock your block off. Well, it's probably broken though. Maybe." So, uh, at the orders of Snape, Harry gets matched up for a little practice dueling with uh, one of his buddies, right? Hermione? No? No. Ron? No. Oh, Neville. He gets matched up with Neville. That'd be that'd be nice and safe and fun, little matchup. No. Maybe uh, JFF? Justin Filch Fletchley? <laughs> Finch Fletchley? Finch Fletchley? There's some names in this books. Nah, um, he doesn't get matched up with any of them, does no. he? Of course he gets matched up with Malfoy. Of course Snape would pick that. So, well, what's Snape's goal here? You know, what's, what is the, uh, what, what is his thought process? What is his plan behind matching up Malfoy and, and, and Harry? He knows Malfoy. And Malfoy is probably one of the most competent wizards in school mm-hmm. or in their year or whatever particularly in Slytherin which he's gonna be more prone to picking his favorite Slytherins um, and I think he's trying to embarrass Harry here you know he still doesn't like Harry and any way to knock down the famous Harry Potter so that you know, kinda, knock him down a peg. He kind of mentions that. He says, let's see how you handle the famous Harry Potter. So what is supposed to be practice and training between Harry and Malfoy gets serious pretty quickly, doesn't it? I guess kind of serious and as, as serious as it can get between a couple of wizards who don't know a lot of really harmful spells, but they do know some enough spells to kind of put the other one in a bad situation. Yeah, and it seems Malfoy knows a few extras, mm-hmm. too, that most the other second years don't know. Sure. Because I think there, there's one of the spells that Harry does that has Malfoy's feet dancing around or something like that. What what were the, the spells that went mm-hmm. on between the other two? Other way. Okay. Uh, Draco knocked Harry down. Mm-hmm. Then Harry does something that's like made a, him like a tickling a, like, curse. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> He's laughing so hard, and then Draco does it's like a tarantula curse that makes his legs dance, mm-hmm. and then they break it up. Right. So Malfoy and Harry get broken up, and they both get some coaching for to do the duel uh-huh. again. Coaching. Malfoy gets coaching from Snape. Yes. Very powerful wizard. 
And Harry gets coaching from Gilderoy Lockhart, who Where? won Best Smile from Wizarding Weekly. Where he drops his wand. Yeah. <laughs> when 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 Lockhart is trying to model how to do the specific specific spell, he can't even keep his wand. Yeah. In his hand. Well, they're supposed to be blocking now. Mm-hmm. They said, "Okay, well, let's stop doing the the chaos mm-hmm. spells," and that wasn't just. Harry and Draco, that was the whole class had gotten paired off, and it was just like pairs of chaos. Hermione was with some <laughs> Slytherin girl. Some Slytherin girl. Um, I'm just imagining somebody named Bertha. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm imagining a, a brawny young lady. Young who, lass. Who wasn't even... They weren't even doing magic on each other. <laughs> the girl had Hermione in a headlock and wasn't even using her wand for no, anything. No, they dropped their wand. They were just wrestling. Yep. <laughs> like like Hulk Hogan and the Iron Sheik, 1984. Would you call it a cat fight? Oh, man. <sighs> no, I can't call it a cat fight. All right, remember that. You didn't call it a cat fight. Okay. <laughs> I like how you. I just. I only said. I only said no just because you were so <laughs> feeding it to me. I was like, no, I don't want to eat it. I don't, I don't want to want it. Take your suggestion. I don't want it. All right. So, so yeah, they called stop to the chaos. Yeah. They're gonna show them how to block spells first now because yeah. letting them just go loose on each other was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Mm. And Malfoy block- conjures up a snake. A big black snake. Big black snake. How's that blocking? It's not. It's not blocking. <laughs> I thought we were practicing blocking. Conjured we were up supposed a. Supposed to be practicing blocking. Conjured up a big snake, ready to sink its fangs into someone. And Gilderoy tries to help out, and like he always does, things don't go his way. And tries to vanquish the snake, and ends up just shooting it into the air and making it angry. Very angry. And when the snake comes back, all riled up, it heads, of course, right towards one of the Hufflepuffs. Why of course? Because that's what always happens to us. Whenever there was a fight in high school, you know, people would stand around and, like, watch the fight. Mm -hmm. I was not one of those guys. I didn't want to be anywhere near the fight. But the fight always came toward me. And I ended up, you know, I end up like catching an elbow in the head or something like that. And I just want to be as far away from it as possible. I'm not interested in it. But of course, I end up getting involved somehow or getting hurt in the process of two other people fighting. Because that's what happens to us. So your experience applies to all of Hufflepuff? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just clarifying. Pretty much. I just based on my sm- Based on my small sample. <laughs> Actually, the samples of myself and Mr. JFF, Justin Finch Fletchley, <laughs> my Hufflepuff brethren, the uh, snake heads right toward him. And this is where things get, the memory of what happens next is different from Harry and everybody else that's there. Because Harry, in his memory of the events, he yells at the snake to back off, pal. <laughs> I think his exact. I don't think he says that. I think that. his exact words were, "Leave him alone." Yeah. You stop it now. Nobody wants you here. And uh, Harry's kind of caught off guard when the snake actually listens to him. Not only the fact that the snake actually listens to him, but he's caught off guard by the reactions of everyone. Can you kind of speak to that? Yeah, he. He's all twisted up with emotions here at this point because, yeah, he's surprised that the snake listened to him. He doesn't really understand why why that happened or how he even... Because he said he started moving towards the snake without even realizing it. Mm-hmm. And so he's just not even sure how he got into this predicament. Not just the Hufflepuffs that end up in predicaments. But the whole... But, the whole yeah, and everybody's reaction. freaked out about him. Justin's not grateful. Snape's freak is glaring at him like always, but mm-hmm. and everybody's kind of whispering and stepping back, and he doesn't really understand what's going on. Ron kind of grabs him and says, "We need to go. Let's just get out of mm-hmm. here." And and they don't even talk about it 
Ryan and Ryan won't even talk to him until right. they get upstairs. They just like get him out of the situation as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. It was just it was. Harry's just really taken back by you know what did I do? What did I do wrong? You know what? Wouldn't you? You know, like if a bear was attacking, aren't you supposed to like make yourself big and, <laughs> and make all kinds of, of you know noises to try to scare it off, bang pots and pans and stuff together? To him, that's what he did. However, when he gets alone with his uh, with his friends uh, Ron and Hermione, they explain the difference between Harry's point of view of the incident and the others. So, can you? Explain what is different about Harry's point of view and uh, for what he feels that he said and the other's point of view and what they heard. And then if you could explain uh, what a parcel mouth is. Yeah, so when they get up to Gryffindor Tower, Ron immediately confronts them and says, you know, you're a parcel mouth. Why didn't you tell us? And Harry's like, I don't know what you're talking about. What's that? And he says, you can talk to snakes. He's like, yeah. Yeah, I can talk to snakes. <laughs> Did it before. I'm, this is only the second time, but hey, I know. Shout I can out talk to, to snakes. early in uh, our first book. Yeah. So he explains, yeah, he was telling me he'd never been to Brazil, so I said I'm free. I mean, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know I was a wizard, but, you know, figured that's not that weird. Mm-hmm. And We can they, do weird stuff. We can do all kinds of crazy yeah. stuff. What's so weird was, about talking I to snakes? I jumped up onto a roof. <laughs> um, so... Then they get to the point... So, yeah, he doesn't think that's that weird. Even though Ron and Marty tell him that's not common in wizards, he still doesn't think it's that weird. Until they point out that, well, nobody knew what you were saying to the snake. And he's like, what are you talking about? I clearly said, leave him alone. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, you you spoke a different language. You spoke... Parcel tongue? Parcel tongue. Mm-hmm. And that really freaks Harry out. He's like, how did I not even know mm-hmm. that I was speaking another language? Mm-hmm. It's almost like he like, completely zoned out right. and was like, or, like hypnotized. Sure. And he, that the, the snake was the trigger and he had to perform this action because there was a snake present. But now he doesn't even really remember doing it, or at least not the details of doing it. So, yeah, once they've convinced him that he was speaking another language, he still doesn't see what the big deal is. And he does agree that that's rather strange. But he doesn't see what the big deal is. Clearly loads of wizards can do this, right? Apparently not. No. And it's so rare that there is one wizard in particular that everybody kind of associates with being a parcel tongue. Or a parcel Parcel mouth. mouth. Parcel tongue is the language, I guess. Parcel mouth is the person who speaks the language. And that person is Salazar Slytherin, the creator of Slytherin House and one of the creators of Hogwarts in general, whose name has come up in, in recent chapters when we talked about this potentially hidden room, this hidden chamber of secrets somewhere on Hogwarts campus. And the mascot of Slytherin House um, no, hold on, hold on. I, oh. I know this. Oh, a snake. Yes. Nice. That's why he chose that Nailed for his it. mascot. All right. So the question has to be asked: If the heir of Salazar Slytherin is obviously somewhere in Hogwarts, and Salazar Slytherin was one of the only other people we can think of that can speak to snakes in this way is harry related to salazar slytherin that is the question going around hogwarts right now isn't it and according to hermione it's pretty much impossible to prove or disprove mm-hmm. because he lived a thousand years ago i mean depending on how many kids he had he could have lots of heirs it could be the great 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 grandson we don't know mm-hmm. so you know, the, a, a lot of uh, the students are really thinking, is Harry really the heir that the writing on the wall is talking about? And that's, like I said, the word around school. And Harry catches the Hufflepuffs in the library talking about just that. Harry's looking for JFF himself. Your, your buddy. My buddy, my brethren. In order to explain what happened yesterday, because... Something we didn't really touch on was when Harry was speaking uh, this 
parcel tongue. Mm-hmm. I say I say it right. Parcel. Yeah. Okay, parcel. Parcel tongue. Speaking the parcel tongue. Justin kind of got the impression that Harry was riling the snake up even more, like getting him more in, uh, in some kind of attack mode. That's why Justin wasn't as grateful as Harry kind of felt he he should have been. Reading this, I do remember the scene from the movie. I find it really hard to interpret it that way. I mean, I understand that they couldn't understand what he was saying, but like Harry's, like Harry's explained, once I talked to it, it stopped. It didn't do anything. Well, he even explains that to the Hufflepuffs. Yeah. Like, didn't you see it, like, sh- shriek back when I told it to? And they said, ah, no, 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 no. That's, I didn't see that's it. That's not really what I saw. And But like, they, uh, what Ernie was saying was that he, they thought that he, like, chased it towards him so that movement of coming at the snake he was chasing it towards Mm -hmm. justin i guess that's how they misinterpreted it it just seems hard to to me it just seems like it's hard to interpret it that way that he was causing the problem rather than fixing it well either way harry is looking for jff to explain what happened yesterday kind of tell his side of the story and we find out that justin is holed up in the hufflepuff common room Pretty much hiding from Harry. Hiding from Harry. Because he told him he told that he was muggle-born. That he was muggle-born, and everybody thinks that Harry is the one that's attacking all the squibs and the muggle-borns. And he said that the enemies. Harry of the was mad at Colin for taking pictures of him while he was laying in the mud with and, no bones in his hand. And what happened to Colin? And now he's petrified. And Harry had problems with Filch. Mrs. Norris is petrified. And the Hufflepuffs even bring up something that I didn't even think of when we talk about evidence mounting against Harry. The fact that everyone knows that Harry hates the muggles he lives with. This which is, is which is not untrue. <laughs> he was he was ready to jump behind that one. He's like, Of course I do. You would too if you lived with them. However, all these things are pointing negatively in Harry's direction, and things are about to get worse, because Harry heads off from the library, kind of in a huff, so to speak, in a huff from the Hufflepuffs, briefly bumps into Hagrid, and then runs into the person he was looking for originally, Justin Finch Fletchley, or rather he kind of trips over the petrified body of JFF. And that's not all either. Mr. Uh, Justin is not the only uh, body, so to speak, that uh, is having some issues there. Yeah, uh, Nearly Headless Nick is turned from his white, pearly, clear to black, Yeah, like a black black ash, kind of, they said. Mm -hmm. And he's laying down, but hovering six inches off the ground. So it's not just the living, apparently, that are... Susceptible. Yeah, that, that are in the line of fire here. Apparently, the, the ghosts of Hogwarts are uh, not safe either. And, of course, <laughs> Harry is uh, wrong place, wrong time. Always. Because Peeve shows up. And, you know, of course, if Peeve sees something, everybody's going to know about it. And Peeve sees the body of JFF, he sees the body of Nearly Headless Nick, and he sees the person who was already the prime suspect, Harry Potter, standing there, the only person within uh, anyway, eye, eye shot, yeah. ear shot. And Peeves decides to let everybody know, yells to the world what's going on, and um, naturally the whole school comes running because exactly. why not? This happens all the time. Could you imagine in our schools if Anytime there was drama. In the, the hallway. The, the whole, whole school, school came. <laughs> Every classroom empties out into the hallway and starts peeking around corners. Nothing would ever and... get done. Nothing would ever get done. Because <laughs> there's always a fire to put out somewhere. Not a not a literal fire, but a figurative fire to put out. So, sometimes a literal fire. <laughs> I haven't had a literal fire. Uh, but... I don't think we I've, went from one drama event to another I don't today. Think, I don't think I've had I don't think I've had a literal one either. I've heard of them at the middle school, <laughs> literal <laughs> fires, but I don't think we've had uh, 
one. We, we were cl close to one once several years ago. I think they caught a kid uh, with a lighter trying to light some paper towels on fire in the bathroom. I had a really kid have to be removed from the classroom I was watching today. And not 10 minutes later, I had to line them up, line them up and take them to library. And we couldn't get down the hall to library because the art room had to be evacuated mm. because of a child in there. Fantastic. So she evacuated the art room into the hall, which blocked our way to get to the library. But as you know, when it's specials time and everybody's switching, so there were kids in the library that needed to get out. We needed to get in. And then there was another class coming to go into the art room that couldn't go in because so we're all just standing in the hall. Just like falling down like dominoes. It was, yeah. So for everybody, the whole school comes running, including Professor McGonagall, who takes Harry to the principal's office. That being, we're heading to Dumbledore's lair. Uh, what was the uh, password that she said to the... Lemon Sherbert. Le was it Lemon Sherbert? I might have had, mine might have said something else. Lemon drops yeah. in yours? Yeah. yeah mine mine's Lemon Sherbert. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Little differences between the UK version and the US version. There was something else, too, early on in the chapter, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to remember that. But the chapter went on and on and JK, on, JK and Rowan I JK Rowling doesn't I think forgot. that uh, us Yanks know what Lemon Sherbert is. Mm -hmm. like, we'll just call them Lemon Drops. Lemon Drops. I'm sure they know what those are. Um, also, though, I want to note... That brilliant Professor McGonagall came up with a way to get nearly headless Nick, the ghost. She conjured up a fan or something. To right? the hospital <laughs> wing, yeah. They, she conjured a fan and had them waft him yeah. to the... How else are you going to move a ghost? And now he's heading to the hospital wing, right? Yes. So what are they going to do to... They don't know. But <laughs> where else Where else is he going to go? we got to get them mandrakes ready, because... We're, we're dropping like flies here. we got to get those mandrakes going. Mm -hmm. I know Sprout was out there in this chapter. She was making gloves and scarves for the mandrakes. Yeah, because of the blizzard. It's yeah. too cold. And and we can't have any of those mandrakes. Like We need them healthy and ready to go. Because there's not going to be any kids left. So we can kill them. Pretty, pretty soon here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah! We need healthy mandrakes for the slaughter. Ah! Yeah, we're just uh, raising them for, <laughs> that's, for slaughter. Yeah, that's pretty. Sorry, yeah, it's pretty dark. We found some it's supposed to be for these books. Supposed to be for kids. Pretty dark though. Pretty dark. Maybe not have mandrakes be described as like ugly babies. Like little, yeah, little children. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna, just a thought. Yeah, we're not. We're just gonna not critiquing slaughter the ugly JK's, children. Uh, imagination or anything creativity, but. Maybe that could have been tweaked. So that's where we're heading at the end of the chapter, heading to the principal's office, so to speak. So a couple questions I wanted to ask you, and then I wanted to give a shout-out to our friends that sent us the email last week. How accurate was the dueling club scene in the book to the movie? Um, pretty accurate, Okay. but can obviously condensed. Mm -hmm. I don't think we bothered with the pairing off and everybody doing things the wrestling match the between wrestling uh, match. Hermione and the Slytherin girl so they kept it pretty condensed okay as always when you're talking about movies my other question that I had when I was while I was reading I just jotted it down so kind of wanted to get your opinion when Harry leaves the library and he finds himself in the in the unfortunate situation of, of finding Justin's body and nearly headless Nick's body. Mm -hmm. Was Harry on his way to the Hufflepuff common room to try to talk to Justin or was he just kind of angry and just walking off? Was he still in search for Justin because we know where Justin's at now. Yeah, no, he he well, I don't know if he really knew where he was going. Mm -hmm. But when he bumps into Hagrid, he says he can't talk, he can't. I mean, obviously Hagrid was kind of prying and said, you look all upset. And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. I got to go. I got Transfiguration next. So I don't know if he was headed to Transfiguration or what he was doing. But he did say he needed to go get his books first. So I'm assuming he needed to go back to his common room, get okay. his stuff, and then go. But he ended up pretty close to the Transfiguration room because McGonagall's one of the first teachers that showed up. I don't know. Gotcha. I didn't know if we were had the or maybe had the possibility of getting a appearance of 
a Gryffindor in the Hufflepuff. We never room. see the Hufflepuff common room. Unfortunately. But if you want to know what the Hufflepuff common room looks like, get on Pottermore. There is uh, detailed descriptions mm-hmm. of the Hufflepuff. Yeah, she had room. it all figured out. It just never fit to do in the in the in the stories. Anything else you want to add about our uh, chapter 11 the dueling club? No. No, I think we covered it pretty thoroughly. All right, I want to give a quick shout-out to uh, an emailer and his family that uh, sent us an email about a week and a half ago, it looks like. Uh, shout-out to Mike Flores and his family. Hi, Mike. Uh, hopefully I pronounced that correctly. And family. Uh, in uh, Visalia, California. So mm-hmm. maybe they know Jennifer. Yeah, you guys should get together and listen to the podcast together. I don't know where Visalia is. What the, we'll, have, we'll have an intern look that up. I don't know if it's close to the Los Angeles area <laughs> where, where Jennifer's at. Uh, but I'm not going to read the, the whole email, but I, I did want to give a shout out to Mike and his family. Uh, Mike is um, a kind of an RA uh, age range, he said, so he got some of the uh, references that we made when, when we talked about uh, anybody under the age of 30 uh, would not know what we were talking about when we make some of our, uh, uh, of our jokes here. Uh, just so you know, it's this far. Uh, and you're about uh, two inches you're holding with your finger there? Two and a half? Yeah, two one and, and a half? One and a half inches. So that's pretty close. Unless I, mean, I, I could like zoom in and then it'd be less. Oh, we don't want that. Zoom out. Like two know. and a half. It's only two and a half inches from uh, Los Angeles. So yeah, yeah. There we go. Uh, they uh, apparently visited Universal Studios Hollywood and the Wizarding World and this past summer and uh, kind of went into it without having any knowledge of the wizarding world of Harry Potter. And then when they came back, they binge-watched all eight films in a week. Uh, they got themselves sorted on uh, Pottermore. Uh, his wife is a Hufflepuff. Uh, Mike is a Gryffindor. And now when, they're, when they go back, they're going to be uh, that much more prepared. And yeah. I, uh, Mike says even two weeks ago, his son began reading... Uh, the book that we're working on right now, The Chamber of Secrets, for his uh, accelerated reader uh, reading goals. I don't know if that if you have the a, you have the AR reader at at your school, like the I, I believe that's where they can they can read a book and then take a, a test on it. And I think the heart the heart of the book is the more points that it's worth. You can take like an online quiz on it. I believe it's by Scholastic is the company that does it. I want it. to take this quiz. Um, I can don't, I take the quiz? You could probably, I mean, if you got a login, I'm sure you can. I don't keep, keep track of your points. Yeah. And um, I know some schools do it where you get, you know, uh, you have to get like a certain number of points by a certain date or the person who gets the most points. I know the school up around the corner from our house uh, would sometimes put the student's name on the on the big board outside like so-and-so has like 150 ar points or something something like that so it sounds familiar but i'm not really involved in the reading programs i think that's a total shame that the ravenclaw book obsessed person is mm-hmm. not part of the reading programs they stick me doing the math stuff which i'm no good at math yeah sorry folks well they changed math and they changed so. math too so i'm just like uh I go, well, you could. And they go, no, Miss Rhino, we're not allowed to do it that way. I'm like, well, then how are you? St- I, it's kind of how I start off. I'm like, okay, well, show me how we're supposed to do this. <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to give uh, Mike and his family a shout out. Thanks thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, we, lo- we love being able to go on this along on this journey with you. Uh, it's it's really been it's really been a, you know, a neat experience to hear from from people that email and and kind of are you know maybe in the same situation that I'm in where I went into the Harry Potter movies without knowing anything I actually went into the video games first without knowing anything about it and then got intrigued and went into the movies and then got really intrigued and went to uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and Universal Orlando twice and now to the point where we're able to uh, enjoy the literary works together. And you're learning so much more. Mm-hmm. Like Peeves. Yeah. I almost, like, I almost, you said something about, well, of course, then Peeves shows up. And I'm like, you didn't even know he existed. Isn't well, this amazing? It's almost like. That there's so much more. It's almost like I feel like it's my geek obligation in order to 
be as familiar with Harry Potter as I can. For example, like a few years ago, I had, this is probably like three or four years ago, I had never seen Firefly. And I felt like I had to do that because I'm a geek. And that's what <laughs> geeks do. Geeks watch the one season of Firefly that there was and talk about, you know, why didn't they not make more? And so I did it and I loved it. And this is just another, you know, punch on my geek card that I have also to get. Also your librarian card. You can get like dual credit for this. Well, I could get kicked out of the club if I don't do this. Yeah. So at least I could say that I'm working toward this, however slowly I, I am that we're doing this. But we're getting there. Getting we're getting there. there. More than halfway through Chamber of Secrets. I'm pushing him, guys. I'm pushing him. I got a lot of irons in the fire. I got a lot of things going on. Well, the Harry Potter night's over now, so you don't have to do all the crafty crafts for that. That's true, but I got like three podcasts I'm doing right now. Which one's the most popular? It's this one. So which one should have your priority? <laughs> it should be this one. Uh-huh. My, my wrestling podcast is uh, on a national website and has been going on for longer than this podcast. And uh, I checked the numbers the other day, and Broomsticks and Butterbeer has overtaken the, uh, yes. the pro wrestling podcast because uh, I guess maybe it's you. You're the reason maybe? people are. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think it's just Harry Potter. I mean, because I'm the common factor, so I don't think it has anything to do with me. But it's just Harry maybe Potter. people just like listening to your voice. So there's that. I don't know about that. All right. Well, I think uh, our dogs have waited patiently long enough for us to talk to you guys for over an hour about some Harry Potter. So that was chapter 11 the dueling club and uh, we will see you next time on broomsticks and butterbeer for chapter 12 of harry potter and the chamber of secrets so uh, until then send us your thoughts broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts or google play or stitcher or wherever you or listen facebook. to this podcast yeah we're on facebook as well uh, i believe it's just you can just i believe it's facebook.com forward slash broomsticks.butterbeer and uh, anywhere you can uh, let us know how we're doing or what we can do better, please let us know. So until then, I am your Hufflepuff host, I'm Dan your, Rhino. I'm your Ravenclaw host, Jessica Rhino. And we will see you next time. Bye. Those fingers in my hair That sly come hither stare that strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft And I've got no defense for it